Hello and welcome to Real Estate Insights, a brand new podcast series from Savills, exploring the real stories behind the property headlines and getting to grips with the forces driving property markets. We'll be looking at what's up, down and sideways in property investing and offering you a uniquely Savills perspective on what's coming down the road. And we'll be doing all of that with some of the brightest and best minds in the business. And with me, Guy Rowe. As this is the first in the series, we're going to start big. And you can't get much bigger than trying to work out what's going on in global capital markets. It's a big ask, but we should be all right because we've assembled the A-team. Simon Hope is Head of Global Capital Markets at Savills and is based in London. Heidi Lerner is Chief Economist at Savills Studley, Savills North American business. And Adam Petrillo is Head of Industrial Services at Savills Studley. So before we get started, can I first of all ask you to, in a couple of sentences, tell us what you do. Simon, why don't we start with you? Guy, I uh, run the capital markets team, which uh, runs teams from New New York through London to Tokyo. We're about 1,000 strong in terms of number. We're top five uh, operators in the market. That's a global market in 2017 that turned over $1.5 trillion. Wow. Okay. Uh, Heidi, top that. Hard to top that. I'm Heidi Lerner. I'm the chief economist for Savile Studley, as you mentioned. I sit in New York, and I'm looking at the intersection of macroeconomic data with real estate and largely how labor and demographics influences trends in the real estate market. And Adam, you're, do you sit in the same office as Heidi? Do you? Uh, as, as little as possible, actually, Guy. <laughs> I get into trouble if fair. I head to New York. Uh, uh, my, my purview is on industrial and logistics, and I looked after our uh, industrial services group in in North America. So let's start with Heidi. We're going to talk about global capital markets. Um, How global is global in terms of capital markets? Global is pretty global. I think there's a market and appetite for real estate assets throughout the world, but we tend to see capital flowing into the same countries year in and year out. And that's usually led uh, by markets in the United States like Manhattan and Los Angeles and global financial centers like London and Singapore and Seoul. And with that comes a number of investors, whether they be sovereign wealth funds or institutional investors that deploy copious amounts of capital into assets across the globe. And in in other areas of life, you know, we're, we're more interconnected. You know, I can talk to somebody in another part of the world more easily. I can find out more information. Perfect markets work on perfect information. Are we are we are we heading to a perfect global market? Unfortunately, in real estate, no, and that's because the same type of transparency is not there in a lot of transactions, particularly in the leasing market. Um, but over time, I think we'll get increasing information uh, about operating income and rents that are thrown off from these various assets. Simon, so, mean, when when you look at the world at the moment from a, a layperson's point of view. You know, Brexit, Trump, uh, pound diving, you know, I, I turn my back on Italian bond markets. Well, if, if the truth be told, I've never had much to do with Italian bond markets. But if I did, I'd be pretty worried at the moment. Are we in a particularly volatile time? Uh, undoubtedly. Um, the, the macro risks are sizable and they stem from all, all your aforementioned points um, from, from Trump 
to Italian bonds, to North Korea, to Brexit. Um, I think in, in terms of pricing, the stock markets are starting to reflect it. Uh, the biggest market in the world is the American bond market, the Treasury, which, which is is softening. Um, you know, Trump has cut his cut his corporate tax rate. Um, his biggest buyer of American bonds is China, and yet he's he's wanting a fist war with them over tariffs. Adam, do you, do you see the same picture? Well, I track occupiers of space and how they get their goods to their customers. Uh, so business from a real estate perspective is good uh, in uh, the United States and in Canada. Uh, but there is certainly uh, certainly a discussion over uh, – you know, when is when is this going to end? Is there an end to it? And I don't necessarily know that um, we can answer that question quite, yeah. right, quite right now. The picture you're painting, to, to, as I say to a layperson, the picture you're painting is one where you might go, oh, I don't want to be in this game right now. So the public markets for REITs reflect all of that risk. The only stocks, I think I'm fair in saying across the world, property stocks that are listed, that are trading at net asset value or a premium, are those in the industrial slash logistic market. And what's happening is there's a disintermediation of the high street and the high street spend to online and digital spend uh, as delivered by, by the likes of Amazon, ASOS, Boohoo, etc., etc. If you're running a balanced portfolio of assets, so you're, you're, you're an MSCI 100 investor, you'd ordinarily have um, in excess of 50% in offices. Yeah, you'd mm-hmm. be 30 to 40 percent in retail and you'd be 10 percent or so in industrial. The best performing sector, 5, 10 and 15 years has been industrial. And for, for 2018, European numbers, uh, retail is going to be negative. Yeah. Office is going to be marginally positive and, and the outlier is going to be industrial. So one of the things you've got to consider is how can I pivot the weighting of my portfolio towards industrial? Is it that the same for, for you, Heidi, in, in, in the States? Is, it, is the picture that Simon's painting replicated where you are? I think that's true. I think industrial continues to be the bright spot, especially as we've had a lot of retrenchment in retail. And I think one thing we would probably recommend to investors is uh, not necessarily trading office or retail for industrial, but perhaps diversifying and allocating a little bit more than they typically would have in previous parts of the cycle. So put simply, invest less on the high street and invest more on, on the logistics. Adam, your part of the world. Uh, of getting stuff to people. Right. I, I would also you know, certainly pay attention to um, uh, the mix of assets and, on, on, uh, on a number of these um, you know, publicly traded REITs and understand um, if their retail assets are well positioned from a logistics perspective. Reutilization or, or reuse of um, traditionally um, higher and better use properties, whether they be office park, trophy office buildings, uh, entertainment centers, suburban malls, um, uh, urban retail centers, um, are all uh, rife with opportunity for uh, for transition to for transition to, to distribution. Have investors in America sort of woken up to this already and and and, and shifted? We haven't seen a whole lot of the shift that Adam was mentioning, the take-up of, uh, let's say, suburban office parks into uh, converted warehouse space or industrial. But I certainly think that could happen. I think other usage, usages, I should say, um, could lend themselves to things like senior housing. So the same idea of the suburban uh, mall that no longer has the foot traffic that it 
used to have, let's say, a decade ago, uh, could potentially transition into senior housing. Interesting in terms of the cycle and is it the end of retail? Yeah, it's not dead. And some of the smartest cats on the block... So Brookfield, the world's biggest landlord, uh, have recapitalised general growth, one of your largest REIT miles uh, in terms of shopping centre miles. So they're contracyclical. Yeah, they're saying these discounts are sufficiently big to reflect the risk. And therefore, one day, one day it will come back. And, and so that they're, they're moving before the markets have moved. And so we're seeing a, the movement of another cycle. Heidi, the, the, the point you were talking about, about um, uh, elderly, what's the term? We call it senior housing. Senior housing, that's it's it. It's a kinder, gentler phrase. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm in favour because I'm getting quite close to it, if the truth <laughs> be told. So, uh, yeah. Is it something that you see in America only or do you think it's a global thing? I think it's a global thing, but certainly it's taking place in America. Um, a number of countries have aging populations. I don't need to mention Japan um, in the same conversation because that's been a trend that's been in place for uh, decades now. We're seeing, and this is happening in the UK as well, uh, multi-use schemes uh, being put together. And it's not just uh, retail to support residential with uh, logistics in the, in the back, uh, but uh, some, of the, some of the ways that uh, potential developers are getting over uh, redeveloping um, underutilized assets or underperforming assets is to bring the senior living with logistics so I'm an inv- I, I'm a, I'm an investor. So what am I? Do, what do I do? You know, do I, I I I need to move. I need to move into the sort of logistics space or industrial space and uh, and senior living space. Do I do it in in a particular part of the world? Do I invest all over the world? What, what, what's my plan, chaps? Uh, I would be advising you to position your money in the UK. You know, sterling looks very cheap. Heidi does not like the look no, of that. No, I just, you know, coming uh, from a L- Londoner, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear it. But yeah. I, I do agree from a currency perspective, um, it makes sense to take a contrarian view. Sorry, we so, interrupted so, No, 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 supporting cast from Heidi. So, so the support around the currency, there's going to be further consolidation in terms of M&A activity. So uh, that would be my advice to you. Heidi, you were talking about you, – you referenced Japan as, a, as an ageing population. What about that part of the world? Or uh, Asia generally? Asia generally, certainly. Um, I think you have to differentiate because the demographics of a place like China are quite different from Japan. Um, but certainly if we look at China and as they – transform themselves into more of a domestic consumption-led economy, I think the potential for retail in a place like China becomes increasingly attractive. And Adam, would your top piece of advice be about uh, your top tip in your part of the world? Uh, Don't just look at last mile distribution as the the key to industrial investment. Um, Take a look at uh, where goods are coming from and how they get to the customers. And geographically, uh, Simon, we've talked a bit about uh, North America and Asia and we've talked about the UK. What about the rest of Europe, sort of central Europe, the, the bit that we're doing our level best to leave? So, so there's a there's a banana. If, if you come back into the logistic field, in terms of 370 million people, how do you access them? You need to have space close to where they live, and it would go through what's called the Golden Triangle on the M1, through Felixstowe, Rotterdam, yeah, hooking down round Paris, you know, Berlin, and then down towards the south of Spain. So, uh, yes, yeah, that's it, 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 it's a prosperous time for the sector. I think you're looking across the world in terms of overall turnover in the investment markets, something like 85% of the total turnover occurred 
in the top 10 countries, and that is US, which is 40 odd percent, UK, France, Germany, Hong Kong, China, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, Australia, done. So that's where the major investors are placing, are placing their bets, um, differing levels of debt, differing levels of inflation, differing levels of return. But if you're running a balanced fund, you've got to get some kind of weighting around that. And that's certainly, I would say, Heidi, has happened very much in the last 10 years that capital is moving into real estate and it has undoubtedly become, through the internet, a global market. Do you agree with that, Heidi? Yeah, I definitely do. I think uh, the transfer of technology, I think the... Uh, disintermediation of information that now is available to a broader swath of investors has really helped make it a global market. And I think we see investors um, invest for a large portion of their funds in countries outside their home country. And part of that is for diversification. And part of that, I think, is because they're seeking better opportunities. So if I could just sum up the last however many minutes we've been talking for, we started with this is a dangerous world with lots and lots of risks and massive volatility. And we're finishing with uh, property is a great place to invest. Am Am I right? I think it is a great place to invest, but I think it still will remain um, a somewhat illiquid asset. And I think uh, the market volatility will help make for better entry points um, to the extent that we continue to see um, political volatility and volatility in the currency markets. Um, I think any further asset depreciation could be a good entry point. There's lots of smiling and nodding going on from you two. Do you agree with all that? I'm not adding to that. That was perfect. And that's pretty much it for this first ever episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. Thank you, everybody. Oh, I'll tell you what I will say. I think we're going to do the logistics thing in even more detail in a uh, in a future episode of the of the podcast so listen out for that for the time being thank you again all for being here thank you very much for listening and see you next time this podcast is for general information and should not be considered professional advice savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct indirect or consequential loss arriving from the use of reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in the podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.